Good evening and welcome to the sixth meeting of fiscal year 2023 for the Milton Planning Board. At this time, I would like to call the meeting to order. And if the members, if we could introduce ourselves and our staff, um, I'd like to first introduce Sean. Uh, Sean Fahey, member. Rich. Rich Mueller, member. Uh, Maggie's not here. Myself, uh, Meredith Hall, chair of the planning board, and our staff, uh, Julia. Julia Getman, clerk. And uh, Josh. Josh Lee, assistant town planner. Thank you so much. And, and Cheryl. And Cheryl, I'm sorry, Cheryl. Yes. Cheryl Tagayas, member. Great. Okay. Um, sorry. Julia, are you able Maggie's to- Maggie's trying uh, to get in, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we'll give her just another minute, but um, watch for Maggie trying to get in. Sorry, you were asking Julia a question, Cheryl? Sorry, it was just to uh, see if she could promote Maggie. Great, yes. She was having a little difficulty. So while Maggie's trying to get in, um, we can go over um, some administrative items. Um, our next meeting dates are scheduled for September 22nd and October 13th. Um, if everybody can mark their calendars for that. There's also a few dates, which I'll put out later, the select board. Um, is wondering if we can also meet and uh, we'll discuss that just a little bit later um, on the agenda. Um, next is the approval of our minutes. And I don't know if folks had a chance to look. Um, Cheryl, I know you, you did edits for August 11th and the 24th and there was one other set, but I didn't see edits on those. Do you, so mm, sorry, I, I, I looked in the folder. Those are the two sets of minutes that were in the folder as of Tuesday. Was something added to the folder that I didn't? There was a third. I didn't print it out, but it might have been old. It might have been an older set of minutes. So I think for tonight, we can just um, vote on if people have read them um, August 11th and August 24th. Yeah, the, um, the ones from the last meeting were added yesterday. That's what I said. Okay. Okay, sorry, I, I haven't looked since Tuesday on those, so I didn't look at those yet. That's great, that's no problem. I figured you had, welcome Maggie. Hey. Um, so I don't know, are there any comments on either the, um, either the August 11th minutes or August 24th? I, uh, I, just had, I had a comment on August 11th. Uh, the, the, we had a discussion in regard to the MBTA Communities Act. And part of the discussion is not captured in the minutes. There was a component of the discussion that we asked, and I specifically asked Tim uh, to present at a future meeting, um, the grant monies that the town has received that he started, that he mentioned in that meeting over the previous 10 years. So I, I do think that's a very important matter and it's not recorded in the minutes. So that was my only comment in regards to those meetings. In, in regards to that set of meeting minutes, um, uh, I just think it's relevant to capture that. Uh, and in regards to the 24th and 25th, I reviewed both of those meeting minutes um, and it, the, I, have no, I have no comments on them. They, they're, they're fine with me. Sean, do you want to um, either make the edit, the proposed edit in the document itself 
or did you want to do it tonight and try and vote that tonight? Uh, sure, I, I'm happy to do it tonight. I, I yeah, gladly. If uh, um, it's just a simple statement that we could add to it, um, that you know Tim would um, at, at a at a upcoming meeting um, articulate the uh, grant monies uh, that the town has received over the past ten years, which is what he talked about in that meeting. That's essentially it. So Julia, do you have the ability to do a bring that document up and do a screen share and add that sentence, or would you like me to do it? I am on my personal Mac, so I, I'm not. Um, I don't have my work computer. I'm sorry. Okay. I can send them around tomorrow. I mean, make the edits tomorrow and send them back around. Unless, but if you want to, I don't know if you can okay them that way or not. Oh, there we go. Thanks, Tim. I mean, thanks, Josh. All right. So, Josh, if you can go, I think it was under the staff update there. Yeah, it's the first uh, one, Josh. And maybe at the end of that paragraph. It's it's further up. They go back up, right? Yeah. So where it reads townwide repercussions, for Josh, if we could add a note that would read uh, Tim at an upcoming planning board meeting, we'll present the historical grant monies that have been received I think that's sufficient all right thank you thanks Josh so um, then we have the 11th and the 24th fourth right all right, so you want to take a motion? Yes, please. Now I'll move to uh, approve the meeting minutes as amended uh, of August 11th and August 24th. Great, is there a second? I'll second. Okay, roll call. Maggie? Yes. Rich? Yes. Cheryl? Yes. And Sean? Yes. And myself, yes. Thank you all. Uh, are we capturing? Um, the, I, there were three sets of minutes there. There was the twenty-fourth and the twenty-fifth. The twenty-fourth, of course, was dedicated to the. Correct. To, uh, the twenty-fifth was the one that Cheryl just hasn't had a chance to look oh, over for edit. Okay, no so, problem. I. I um, sorry. It just came in yesterday, so we were yep. just we'll vote those um, at our next meeting. But. Sure. I apologize for the mis. That's yeah. right. No problem. Um. So now we, um, Josh, I don't know if you have a staff update. Tim may be coming in a little bit late. He's not here. Um, he had another uh, hearing tonight to go to. So did he provide an update, Josh, or is that something we'd like to defer to later in the meeting? Um, yes, as you say, Tim, Tim is uh, doing double duty with the, uh, the ZBA this evening. Um, he, he did not have any items that he wanted to share um, at this moment as part of the staff update, uh, though um, 
it's relevant to a later article related to the zoning recodification, but uh, as was shared earlier, um, staff, um, Joe Prondack, our building commissioner, and uh, Sue Galvin, who, who both um, had thoughts on the recodification, were, will not be able to join us this evening. Yes, and so I did want to actually um, jump ahead with this because we do have Peter Mullen, um, who is here this evening, and Alex Whiteside. And I just was going to ask the board, um, because Sue is not here and Joe can't make it, um, is this something that we would like to uh, move to our meeting on the 22nd? So all can be in attendance. I don't know how the board feels about that. Um, we were sort of, yeah. If I may, um, I, I think that's a good idea. Um, we did receive a letter from Joe Prondack and Sue Galvin, jointly signed by them. And so um, I do think it's important um, to have all the parties who've been involved in this sort of in the same room, even if it's a Zoom room, um, so we can hear each other and they can hear each other. Um, and you know, I did um, join Meredith last night in attending uh, the bylaw review committee's meeting. Um, and I read through the documents that are in the folder and I had a conversation with Tim about it. I feel like I am pretty up to speed on it, but I, I feel as if it's complicated and um, we really should have all the parties. Um, at the same conversation instead of separate conversations. Yes, Cheryl, I agree with you. I, I've, I've gone through what Tim had sent out and I have questions, but it doesn't make sense to ask the questions until everybody's present. I, I'm, I'm in favor of this one second also. Okay. All right. Is everyone else in agreement, Rich and Maggie? So yeah. Alex, thank you very much because we were prepared to, to talk about this in Alex and um, Peter Mullen have done a tremendous amount of work on this. Um, and I think we're just sort of finalizing our, our next steps um, and we should have you know, full information to be presented um, by Alex and, and Peter. Um, and the discussion will be, will be probably better at that time. So great. So thank you again, Peter um, and Alex for, for, um, for having come to the meeting tonight, but we will defer that to the, to the 22nd. Thank you so much. Um, so moving along on our agenda, um, we have the 34 uh, Milton Hill Road approval, not required plan. And I do see- um, Meredith? Yes? Could I mention what I think is an <laughs> yes. administrative item? Yes, um, it's, not, it's not on your It's not on your agenda, but I find it to be within the context of administrative. Yes. And, and this is really a, you know, a, a comment uh, for all and certainly for the members. Um, and I wish Tim was present for it, but that's okay. We can catch, on, catch up on it at another time. Um, essentially, my, my thoughts are, and I'm, you know, I'm, I am new to the planning board and there are many, many years of experience greater than mine uh, since I've only been on the board recently. But I, I feel like as a board, um, we have an obligation to the residents of the town to contain the time of the planning board meeting uh, to a period of time that's realistic for a resident to be able to participate in. And, you know, the last planning board meeting we had ended at 1130, it was four and a half hours um, prior. Uh, and I don't have the exact times of the prior ones, but we seem to spend three hours, greater than three hours. And I think a resident shouldn't need to have uh, 
a three-hour stamina uh, to be able to participate or listen to the entire planning board meeting. So my, my uh, I guess my thoughts are, as a, as a board, I think um, a, a meeting time, two hours or potentially two and a half hours is probably much more appropriate. And I also feel like for all of us uh, and also anyone in the town that's participating, once we reach the start time of seven o'clock and you know we're, we're participating in a meeting from seven to nine on Thursday night uh, and, and even past nine, uh, I, don't, I, I will speak for myself. It's not, I, I am not uh, you know, at my best in terms of the day. Certainly when we get to 11 o'clock, I, I generally rise every day at five and you guys probably do too. So I, I guess I'm proposing as a board that we strive to make a commitment to uh, contain our meeting to something that's of nature of two hours and two and a half hours. And that requires that we create some discipline, um, uh, either to have a, a reasonable agenda or to, um, you know, manage our discussion. So we just uh, make our point and move on. Um, I, I think it would be better for the residents and probably for the board. Thank you, Sean. And I see Rich's, and I agree um, with everything you said. And Rich, um, I know you would like to comment as well. Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate that, Sean. I 100% uh, I agree. Um, I know most folks weren't on at this time, but the year I started, um, there was, I forget who the chair was, maybe it was Brian Furs. Um, if it was you, Sean, I don't remember, sorry. Um, but we, we had this, and Julie would probably remember, we had this like, it was 10 o'clock. That was the end of the meeting. And if we were leading up to it, we really looked at the agenda and we're very thoughtful on it. And yeah, I mean, I know many, many boards seem to, I've been on many of board meetings for more committee to this that go to almost, I remember stopping meetings because we weren't allowed to go past 12 o'clock. And that nobody, I'm junk at that time. And so I'm a huge proponent. I would advocate for like smaller agendas so that we can still have robust conversations. Um, you know, things, something like that, but huge, huge totally agree. Rich, um, that was Alex that did that, and he made it so that a vote would ah. have to be taken at 10 o'clock to, to yeah. keep going. That was right. A vote had to be taken. I love that. <laughs> That's great. And I, I, you know, I completely agree. And I think you'll see after the last meeting, um, you know, this this agenda is is uh, is much shorter. So we, I think that it has a significant you know, and, or we just also, you know, when we get to a certain time, we can move things to a following meeting. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not, um, I, uh, my point isn't that this is necessarily a chairperson, um, you know, we're, we're all members of the board and it's not necessarily always the agenda that we have. Um, I happen to look at other agendas of other boards in town and I am stunned by how many items are on their agendas. I just don't know how long their meetings last or how they could actually sufficiently discuss some of the topics. And we don't have uh, such a lengthy agenda, but I also think we have a responsibility to probably be disciplined in terms of how much, how much discussion we have. And I, certainly there are things that warrant a lot of discussion and I don't wanna limit that. But if there's an opportunity to, you know, and me included to say it once, and make my point and move on. I feel like I have to do that. So um, anyhow, I just I don't I don't I know 
there was another chairperson before you and prior to the previous chairperson, there was another chairperson. And I don't think that necessarily a chairperson's, um, you know, uh, it, it's not, it's not fault of the chairperson. It's we're a board and we all can, can I think, um, uh, contribute to containing the meetings for on the time. Great, thank you. And I don't know if it was Cheryl or Maggie, but both of you have your hands up, so. Yeah, Cheryl can go, that's fine. <laughs> okay, um, having been chairperson twice, um, a couple of things of, of observation that I, I might make and suggestion is uh, if we can be clear about whether there's an action that we're planning to take on an agenda item this evening, and if not, if it's for discussion, maybe we can say we're going to allot a certain amount of time for discussion and then move the rest of it to the next meeting. So that's one suggestion. Another suggestion I have is when we have something that generates a lot of public interest is that we, we put a limit on how much time the public is given to speak and how many times they can speak. I know it's a hard thing because the members want, I feel it's important to hear from members of the public, but on the other hand, we also need time for the board members to have discussion um, in order to um, make decisions. So just a um, couple of suggestions. And I think Meredith, you know, when you and Tim uh, set the um, agenda, you know, maybe he can help with some of what, you know, what we're, what he expects we need to take a vote on when, because he knows best when, what things have statutory requirements of action. You know, certain things have, we have to take action on a certain amount of time and other things we don't. So if he can advise you, so you can advise us at the outset that these things absolutely have to get done tonight versus, sure. you know, being able to be deferred. I think that would be helpful for you. Great point. Yeah, thank you. And Maggie. Um, and the other thing which um, I think might be helpful is if we sort of stick to um, some type of process where if something is on the agenda, then it has to be submitted by the week before. Um, I know just my schedule personally, and um, as soon as um, Tuesday comes, I, I don't have time to be checking my Town of Milton um, um, email to see what last minute things have come in. Um, I kind of do my prep work, you know, over the weekend and on Monday. And I feel like maybe we waste some time because we're trying to like read what was submitted yesterday or the day before. And, and, uh, and I know it's hard to do. And, you know, I've been in the applicant's um, position before, and I know you're waiting on all different uh, professionals but we all have jobs and families. And if, if something doesn't get into our folder by Thursday night, then I just don't think it should be expected of us to actually make a really good decision on it. Good point, good point. Okay. Can I so, just say one thing to my niece, Maria, sorry. Yeah. I've, I've done work in other jurisdictions and they absolutely will not put something on the agenda if the materials aren't submitted one week in advance. So if applicants are absolute, you know, no, if they are made well aware of that absolute time frame, then I think they'll become disciplined to meet it. And I've been asking for Tim, yeah, to, to do that. And it's been better, but it could even be, I think even earlier if possible. Well, you know, uh, I guess a closing comment on it, 
I think all great suggestions and, and, and maybe what we could do at some point is just create some, some protocol that we intend to follow, you know, just, just a handful of things with, I think everybody has, has pitched in here and made a comment and there might be a half a dozen things that if we follow, we'll be able to uh, have uh, a meeting where, you know, we have the, we have the information timely and we're, we're more productive in the meeting and we're probably serving the residents better. I, I really feel like we should be able to get through a meeting. I, I meant what I said earlier, two hours, two and a half hours is probably should be reasonable. And, and you know, a resident that wants to be a, a regular attendee at the planning board meeting, I don't think we should force them to have to pay attention for much longer than that. And we're gonna have the we're gonna have the anomaly meeting where there's something really important and we have to get into it and it takes us a little bit longer. But as a rule of thumb, I feel like we can accomplish this. Agreed. I agree. Good. So we'll have a check-in time. I think tonight is going to be an early night, as I mentioned. But um, but I like I really do like the you know limiting conversation and uh, a check-in time at nine thirty to see and what needs to be voted on early. Those are many excellent points. Okay. So with that, um, if there's not anything else, we actually um, before we do thirty four Milton Hill Road, we have our citizens speak. Um, if there is anyone here who would like to raise their hand um, and speak to anything that is on the agenda or not on the agenda, please feel free to raise your hand. I am not seeing anyone at this time for citizens speak. So uh, with that, we can move to uh, 34 Milton Hill Road approval not required plan. and. I do see um, J.D. Wild is here, Jim DeSell, um, if anyone else wants to come in, um, but please raise your hand if you would be, like to be let in. Tom, I know Jim DeSell and J.D. Wild. Okay, we can move them in as panelists, please. Believe they are in. Yes, I'm here. How are you doing tonight, Meredith? Good. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Good. Good to have you. Okay. Thank you. Uh, I'll jump right into it. So, um, uh, my name is Joshua Wild. I'm here tonight for 34 Milton Hill Road. Um, I'm joined by my engineer, Jim DeSell. Uh, both Jim and I came before this board approximately a month ago and received an approval for a two lot subdivision at 34 Milton Hill Road. And we're here tonight proposing an ANR uh, for a non-buildable piece of land um, that connects from uh, Joseph Grogan, the adjacent neighbor's uh, house, down to the dock. Um, the reason that we are proposing this ANR is that uh, once we receive the approval, both Mr. Grogan and I have been in pretty lengthy conversations about what's the um, the most direct path to uh, get the dock underway and. One of the constraints that we keep running into is that myself, I do not have a boat and I have young children. It's certainly something that I'm excited about with the property, but it's, it wasn't on the top of my priority list. Um, our concern is, is uh, that we believe it's going to be harder as time goes on 
uh, to get the approvals and to perform the work, uh, especially with uh, the Neponset River cleanup and kind of everything going on down there. So we think time is of the essence and um, it's such an amazing asset to that property. Um, and it's really part of kind of the bigger vision for activating that entire site and bringing it to life. So um, Mr. Grogan and I threw a, a few different scenarios around and we landed on this as the most viable path to get it going underway. So what we're proposing is that um, the what was lot two, the larger parcel of land that I am uh, building a house on for my family, we're proposing uh, to make a 2A and a 2B lot. Um, and if you'd like, Meredith, I can share my screen and go over it. Yes, please. Thank you. Uh, can you see my screen? Yes. Okay. So um, what we've done is we've 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 taken what was entirely lot two and created a lot 2A and a lot 2B. Again, just to uh, stress that this is a non-buildable piece of land. It's going to extend from Joseph Grogan's uh, piece of property right now at 94's Road down, and it's it cuts off right at the edge of the dock. So what we've done is we've cut out a piece of land that provides him the access that he needs to go down there and perform the work. Um, and again, the reason we've done this is that we believe that this is the fastest path to get the project underway, to build the dock as the chapter 91 license allows. And, um, you know, it's a long lengthy process that we want to get going on right away, but financially I'm not in a position to do so uh, with the larger project that I'll be uh, working on up the hill. And it's just not the highest priority for me. So um, that's, the, that's the reasoning behind why we're before this board tonight for this A&R. So um, I'm happy to answer any questions. And I think if there's anything technical, Jim is also here as well. And be happy to answer any of those. I'll let the board, Cheryl, I see your hand up. <clears throat> yes, um, sometimes we get a staff um, report um, and I should have mentioned this when we were in our prior conversation, but um, you know, oftentimes it's helpful to start with that. But um, the uh, Jim, with your experience, Jim Desell, um, the uh, this subdivision wouldn't in any way impact lot two ways uh, conformance. I understand, right? Um, yeah. And then uh, as far as the non-buildable, um, that being incorporated into a, a different parcel is not really a part of this, um, our consideration with this, is that right? Yeah, what um, Tim reviewed it and uh, before we even filed the subdivision, just to go over the completeness of it, um, and he sent it back, he said, yeah, we're good. Um, lot 2A is uh, still a buildable lot. We haven't, uh, we have the lot area with um, so on and so forth uh, to build. And lot 2B, uh, you'll notice it says not a buildable lot uh, in parentheses, and there's also a note saying it's also gonna be combined with other land of uh, Grogan. Um, so under the A&R um, subdivision uh, or division requirement, uh, this meets the, the, the requirement. Um, and visually, you won't see any difference in either way. It's, it's literally going to be, um, it's going to look like it's all one big lot. Besides that, we, we meet all the requirements. Okay, thank you. Okay, sorry. Yes, Tim had, did, 
tell me that he reviewed it and it, everything seemed to be in perfect order. Any other questions um, from the board? Uh, does the board feel uh, ready to take a vote on this approval? I am. Cheryl? I'm fine with it. I, I think the motion would be that the board authorizes um, the Director of Planning and Community Development um, to endorse this plan as not requiring subdivision approval. Is there a second to that? Second, that was okay. All right, all in favor. Uh, Sean? Yes. Cheryl? Yes. Maggie? Yes. Rich? Yes. And myself? Yes. Okay. Thank you very much for coming tonight. Thank you. We appreciate your time. Thank you. Great. Good luck with the project. Okay. All right. Um, so the next um, item on our discussion was a discussion of the recodification, which we are moving to the 22nd. So we will have that uh, discussion, um, which I think will be better at that time. Um, so the next item is old business. And rather than, um, before going right into any goals and objectives, um, I'd actually like to, I know we have the folks here from 193 Central, and I thought we could um, give them the courtesy of going ahead so they don't have to sit on and listen to us much longer. So more than they need to. So with that, um, let's see. Um, Sunny? is here, Marion is here, McKetrick is here. If we can move them in as panelists now. Yes, uh, I'm in Meredith. Great. Thank you. Uh, good evening to all the board members. Good evening. Uh, and thank you for moving us up and accommodating. I appreciate that. Um, maybe I'll quickly summarize and Marion can add comments. Uh, so after the great feedback last uh, time uh, from the panel, uh, we did go back to the arborist and um, uh, wanted to share an update with the discussion. So uh, he's actually agreed to uh, planting the larger trees as uh, recommended by the panel. Uh, the only challenge or slight change is uh, originally the plan was to uh, plant the hornbeams. Uh, unfortunately, he's unable to source them till next spring. So what he's uh, uh, promoting right now, or at least proposing, instead of that planting three uh, black tupelo trees, uh, larger caliber and taller in size. So uh, the old ones, if you recall, they were eight to 10 feet, uh, and I think two or two and a half inch. Uh, he's going to source a three or three and a half inch uh, and up to 15 feet tall, uh, three of them in the back. Uh, and in the front, I think there was feedback 
and concern about the previous tree, uh, which was going to be planted, which was serviceberry. Uh, and based on the feedback from the board uh, in the front, he'll be planting the Princeton, uh, I believe, elm or century tree, which will do a kind of a canopy and shade providing in the front. So those are the updates and changes from the discussion and feedback from the, the board members last time. Uh, and a quick summary of what is the current proposal for planting the new trees. Uh, maybe I'll stop and see if Marion wants to add something. Uh, if not, maybe if the board has comments or questions, I'll be happy to answer those. I, I just wanted to clarify, Sunny, it is the elm. It's the Princeton elm, which you've agreed, Joe. That's correct, I believe. Yes. So it was Princeton Elm for some reason. I'm not technical uh, with the trees, so I'm not an expert uh, because I've seen Princeton Elm previously, but in the summary that I got from Todd, it says century. So I don't know if it's the same thing uh, or it's a different thing, but yes, Princeton Elm is what uh, is my recollection. Yes, the century is different. I think that was just a typo, a mistake okay, on the first okay. plan, and then he sent the new, new revised. Okay, perfect. Uh, so that is Princeton. That's, that's, what, that's what I thought. That's what it was. Yes. Thank you. Great. Uh, Marion, do you have anything additional so, to I mean, that's add? That's a complete summary of the changes. Um, I did want to emphasize that the century was just a typo. Uh, every correspondence I've seen has said Princeton Elm, but then that popped up at the last minute. So. Um, I guess we're interested in knowing whether this is a better plan, that whether the board supports it. Um, we're just, I'd rather hear feedback from board members. I don't have anything to add. Any comments um, that the board would like to share on these changes? Yeah, sorry. Good, yes, Maggie, go ahead. Um, so I don't necessarily have any you know, as I stated first on that um, the varieties I'm not as um, particular about. I just wanted to make sure though, because at one of your meetings, you said you needed trees that didn't produce berries and the Tupelo can produce berries. So I don't know if you have looked into that or not, or if it's on your accepted list, but I just don't want you to put yourself in a situation where you're going to commit to a tree, then later on down the road, it might not fit your needs. So that's why I'm, I'm comfortable with the Tupelo, but I'm comfortable with any tree that's on the shade tree um, list. Um, and as long as it's a three inch caliper and a minimum of 15 feet in height, then I don't have a problem with varieties. Uh, thank you, Maggie. I, I was not aware, as I mentioned, I'm not a tree expert. Um, so the only challenge he had with the hornbeams, he said, to get the larger trees, he has to wait until spring. Um, so that is one option, obviously, uh, that we plant the trees in the back in the spring. Uh, but if um, you don't have any concerns uh, with the black tupelo, I will confirm uh, if there are any um, conflicts with Goddard because of the berries, as you pointed out. And if there is uh, maybe giving us some latitude that we can either plant the black tupelo if they don't have an issue, uh, or if they do, then we'll come back to the hornbeams, but they'll be planted in spring rather than right now. And I'm, I'm comfortable with that. I, I, I mean, I know, I know that planting, uh, getting plant materials challenging. So if you have to wait to the spring, I'm comfortable with uh, approving that. Thank you. 
Meredith, I'm also I'm also comfortable with what Maggie just outlined, and um, uh, I I think just based on my own experience, those trees likely will be planted in the spring, just because the damage that could occur during construction, planting them as soon as they'd be planted, you might be better off planting in the spring. But whatever, I don't want to be restrictive in any way. I think you've addressed the concern that we spoke about earlier in terms of the size of the trees, honey. So thank you for doing that. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Maggie. Okay. Does everyone else feel comfortable with that? Yes. The landscape plan? Okay. Then in the spirit of brevity. Yes. Yes. <laughs> then a motion to approve the landscape plan as proposed. Um, would someone like to make that motion? I think he, the, what Maggie, I think, said, uh, Meredith, would be to give some uh, flexibility if uh, Sunny found that that tree was not on the Goddard School approved list, if they could change that. Is that right, Maggie? Yeah, yeah. Yes. So is that your motion, Cheryl? Sure. <laughs> and is there a second on that? Second. Great. All right. Roll call, uh, Sean. Yes. A rich? Yes. Maggie? Yes. Cheryl? Yes. Myself, yes. Great. Thank you very much. You I appreciate the feedback and have a great night, uh, folks. You're Goodbye. very welcome. Thank, Thank you, Sydney. Bye. And I, you know, I do see Peter Mullen still here. I just don't know. I want to give Peter maybe an opportunity if he wanted to say something this evening. Um, Peter, can you raise your hand? Oh, he's no longer with us. Okay. I just didn't know if he was waiting to, that he had something he wanted to say. So um, I no longer see him. So um, he's welcome to if he needs to. Um, so moving along. So we had our discussion of goals and objectives of the planning board and we, we we kept this on and I'm gonna, I don't think we really need to go into this um, this evening, but one thing that Tim was going to mention um, that he had a discussion on doing a land count uh, regarding the 40B. And he was, he had told me in our discussion that he now, he didn't think he had funds last year to do a land count, um, but now that he, now he thinks he, he would be able to do that, so. I think that's something that he's going to be moving forward to. We can put that on um, and have that to be something that we can also achieve this year. Um, Cheryl, you have your hand up. Um, yes, Meredith. Um, did you intend to defer a discussion of priorities to the next meeting? Is that what you meant? Because there is something I wanted to speak. Oh, to. no, that was I, I just I deferred that just to, to now to actually just well, okay. discussion um, because I wanted to let 193 um, Central Ave go. And that's what when the, under the goals and objectives um, and priorities, that's where Tim was saying we could add that land count to our to our list of objective of things that we want to obtain. But he's not here to discuss that. So um, you did you have something else to share? Yes. Um, I know that we talked at our last meeting about having a written list. But I don't recall, and I didn't get a chance to go back and listen to the tape. Was the codification on that list of priorities for the board? 
I think it was. Um, you know what? It might not have been on that list that we discussed. It is definitely a priority for us. Though, so if it's not on there, I just wanted to make sure that it is on the list. Yes, yes. absolutely. Yeah. And um, and I just wanted to. We talked about uh, maybe some of us will work on some of these priorities outside of meetings. And I just wanted to uh, let my fellow members know that I would volunteer to work on the codification um, because I feel so strongly about needing to move it forward. Um, having worked with it and seeing the kind of problems that we have not having this uh, code in a, in a way, in a sort of in a format that, you know, is user-friendly, it, it really causes um, sort of wasted time, if you will, for our, our building department. Mm -hmm. It also has wasted time for the ZBA. I saw it with the 40B with the list of waivers that applicants have come in with. They, they're working without a date material. So I, I just um, wanted to put out there that I, I um, will definitely make sure I'm happy to, to work on it to yeah. see this thing get advanced. Great. And I'll put together with Tim, you know, we'll put it maybe on one of our agendas, just a written out form of all of those items that I discussed when in with you all and then with meeting with Arthur, just so we have that sort of running list that we can, you know, check things off and make sure that we're all on the same page. And, and, and just, I'm gonna reiterate, I think I may have said it then, um, you know, we if we backtrack out one to two times that we have town meetings, so we can actually uh, send uh, zoning amendments to town meeting. We actually don't have a lot of time um, because of the, time frame required for printing, for warrant committee review, for submitting to the select board and so on. So if we have any intention of doing anything for the December town meeting, we only have one more meeting, yeah. I think, before that's due. And then if we start to look at when they're going to require articles for the annual town meeting, it will probably be in January. So we don't have a lot of time. I, I don't think we can keep, I mean, I know some things don't require us to work that quickly, but I really would like us very soon to say this is what we're targeting. You know, we may not hit it, but we're targeting for December. We're targeting for May, um, because large zoning articles are not favorably found at the annual town meeting because there's already so much on the agenda, mm -hmm. right? And so we've got to be thinking about the annual or the fall town meeting of next year, really now. And so I'd like to map out, I'd like to really see a schedule mapped out for us to really be productive. And that's why this, you know, this next meeting with the bylaw committee is going to be really important and, and with Sue Galvin and, and hopefully they'll have their plans in place um, when they come before us on the 22nd. So that's, so we can, we can move that forward. I, I think that's great. Meredith, can I, can I just um, make one brief comment? First, thanks Cheryl. Uh, because this, I, I went through what was sent out, and it just, um, I, I mean, you obviously have been around it for a while, but it's going to take an effort to get this thing back where it belongs. Uh, and but the other, the other thought I have, just in terms of timing, I think it's October twelfth is the deadline for articles for the twelve five town meeting for December for the December fifth town meeting, and one of the. One of the notes I read, um, the consultant back when they were asking for a response to their analysis uh, had wanted a reply, I think by the 3rd of December in 21, 
to have it prepared for the town meeting, which would have been, I think, a, I think it would have been, a, I assume it was a May town meeting. I don't know. But I'm just trying to wrap my brain around the time that they need once they're given what is given to them. I'm, I'm worried about the timeline. Yeah. Because they that, that document, um, I think that document is referred to as um, legal review and analysis or whatever. And it right in red on the cover of it, it said needs to be returned by and they have a date on there. And, and that to me is the indicator of how much time they need. It seemed to me like they were looking for months to take what they're given to prepare it for something that could be used at town meeting. Right. Any further comment on this? It's this is it's important. It really is. And we've got one shot. Right. Yeah, yeah, I mean if I may, it seems to me for the rest of the board members, um, just a little bit of a background. The um, the planning board authorized use of planning board funds to have this codification done. And um, the um, that it was sent included in a scope of work to the bylaw review committee. I don't have exact recollection how it ended up there, but at this point, it's um, the, the the what the codification was to do was to take a, a document that was 2009 was the last time it was certified by a prior clerk. The current clerk um, doesn't feel as if she can certify it because she was she can't attest to how it was done. She wasn't here for it, and she doesn't have the apparently doesn't have the confidence or records to feel as if she can certify. It. So th that's our starting point is the 2009 document. But as we all know, it's been amended many times since then. But so if somebody now goes and wants to receive a, an official copy of the zoning bylaw, they get from the clerk the 2009 version, and then all of the amendments that have been made since then, but they're actually not incorporated into the document itself. So you know how difficult that can be to try and track what, what it is that it's, that they're really, um, what the code really says. So the idea was that they were going to take that written document and make it electronic. And they were going to incorporate the amendments up until the time that they were doing the work, which was 2019. And they did do that. They produced a document. But that document um, also has a few things where they renumbered some of the sections and a few other, um, what are called clerical things like that. That was given to the bylaw review committee. And along with a checklist, uh, sort of an audit, if you will, some, similar to the document that we have in our folder that's for 2021. They had one for 2019, and that was not um, delivered back to General Code at that time either. Rather, Alex Whiteside, on behalf of the bylaw review committee, uh, he printed out the, their draft document and made edits to it in the in the you know, the margins and turned it into the planning department. And the planning department typed in those changes and sent them to general code. That happened several times, but there's not a, a document that shows what all those edits are. 
So there's no baseline and there's no red line to really con to confirm it. So what we really need, according to town council, is in order for um, for this to be a, something that town meeting can approve, absolutely every edit has to be indicated. So it has to show up as a red line. And we don't have a baseline document uh, to work from. So it either ha has to be recreated or general code has to provide it. And so what my understanding from the meeting last night was Peter Mullen is going to reach out to Sue Galvin and, and request a meeting with general code to see if they can provide it. And then if they can provide it, then we can, since it would be a planning board sponsored article to town meeting, we would review that and say um, that this is what, this is actually the codification, which is taking everything that's already been approved and putting it in this new electronic format and asking that to be the baseline moving forward. Once we have that, any edits that Alex Whiteside suggested or anyone else, general code has made a few suggestions of their own, any of those would come later as amendments uh, to that baseline. So that's what we're trying yeah. to get to is there doesn't seem to be any reason to take a risk of having somebody else make a mistake translating a, a written document into an electronic document and if we've already paid a consultant to do it. That's, that was my view. I think Meredith agreed with that last night. The committee seems to be interested in, in seeing if that could be done through general code. So I think Meredith should get an update from Peter as soon as he has those conversations. Um, and so it may not be as uh, difficult as it, as it sounds, you know, in some ways initially, but that's the hope is that it can be a, sim a simple baseline to start with and then amendments later. So Cheryl, it, that, that might mean that we, we end up with two steps. At one point we, we may have thought of it being as one step. Now we go two steps, but we get something done. We, and we get it, get back to that baseline. I, I, you know, based on what I know of it, and I don't know a lot about it, but I would totally support that. But I'll, I'll let Peter, you know, um, do what he, you've described. And I look forward to talking about that. We need to get our town back in a position where Joe can do his job, you know, and, and be able to hand a document out as needed. Yeah, and it's something searchable. You know, I, I mean, I work yeah. with folks in my day job and you know those towns that have a searchable zoning code it's so much easier to, to work with and i would just want to add, add one more thing is if we could get the baseline done in the october town meeting or december rather december town meeting and then if we could say well there's edits that we could try for the may town meeting then i think that would be an ideal two-step process but i really would like to push for uh, the december for at least the baseline uh, i'll be i'll be a supporter of that so we'll yeah, I think we can maybe make that our a definite goal. So Maggie, you had your hand up? Yeah, and I was just wondering, so are all these edits going to be in line with um, state statute? Because I know I'd asked this question last time and Tim wasn't really sure of the answer. So I don't know if he's received an answer. So I do kind of feel like it should. If we're going through all this effort, we have to make sure that it reflects um, state statute. So Maggie, one thing I identified too is that general code did bring up that kind of question, you know, consistency with state statute. And the idea I think is that would be handled in the second step. 
so that we would get the, at least get the initial codification done, which doesn't change anything. It just gets, you know, it might change the numbering system or something like that, but really not other changes. There are a few other things other than, I think it's the consistency with the definition of farmland is one, I think that you're probably thinking of, but there's a few other things too that I read where a law was uh, repealed in 1969 that our zoning code still refers to. So yeah. you know, that's long overdue for getting fixed. There's things like that. Yeah, Maggie, I, I you know, some of what I read through, uh, they, they, they're directing us they're suggesting to do exactly what you just said. And, and what I, one of the things I remember is the Milton has its, in its zoning bylaws, some definition of, of you know, uh, zoning pertaining to pools. They simply said, just adopt the state pool guideline, you know, uh, so that, anyhow, I, I'm gonna shut up to stay consistent with what I said at this time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this will be a priority and on our next agenda. So, Rich, I don't know if you had anything that you needed to add if that's sufficient. Okay, good. Yeah, but that does explain sort of where we are to the public so the citizens understand that this is something we, we are working on and, and will be forthcoming hopefully soon. Okay, so, um, so again, you know, highlight back to the goals and objectives of the planning board. I don't know if there was anything else. Um, Cheryl, that's great if you want to work on the codification, um, pushing that, moving that forward. Um, we'd also talked about, do we want to keep on the cut and fill? Um, doing possibly a cut and fill um, article at some point? Sure, if, um, if Sean or Maggie or Rich, or you want to join me in it, Tim did uh, look at, I think, examples from three other communities that we could look at um, for reference. And there's a document that I had, um, I had shared with Tim that I was from another community. It was like a development guide, which really kind of put forth what um, the board was looking for, like in smart growth kind of things. And it would be more like well development design on site design, you know, things where you're, um, doing as little cut and fill as, as you can, preserving trees, things of that nature that we've all talked about. And uh, I think it was in Franklin. So maybe the first step is to have Tim share those documents with yeah. the entire board. And then everybody, this was a little subgroup that um, Denny and I were working on previously. So if those documents could be shared with the whole board, then, then each of you can see who else might be interested in working on it. Yeah, I, I'd be happy to join you on that, Cheryl. Sure. That'd be great. Great, Sean. Okay, great. So that will be, um, and anything anybody else thought of after we sort of went through that list? I don't know if there was other items that, again, I think we also said we don't want to try to take on too much. We'd rather be effective and really get things accomplished rather than I'm sorry, Maria. Yeah. Nope. I just, yeah, having a prior prioritized list. Yeah. I don't know in terms of the timing of when we could do this, but I do feel as if we owe it to the town meeting to come back and to work on something where we take the ideas that were in the temporary apartment bylaw revision and the ADU proposal and really hammer out what we as a board, you know, would support putting forward 
Um, so the town meeting asked us to do it. And, and um, I think the last time I, I, I spoke a bit about this, but I, I would like um, for us to have that as a to-do. Yeah. And I think it was also mentioned, we will put that um, on a, a definitely a, a, an agenda um, soon to come because we also, someone, and I can't remember if, if it was Rich, um, we were going to look at what other towns are doing also, just sort of trying to see what other towns that are similar to Milton have done, um, but also any studies that they've done, if there's any study that we should maybe be looking at as well. But but definitely taking a proactive um, position on this. I can tell you that MAPC, the Metropolitan Area Planning Council has done studies on this. ARC, Mass, yeah. well, ARC overall has done studies on it. Mm -hmm. And so has the state, it's in their um, Smart Growth Toolkit, I believe. Um, all of those were shared with the prior board, um, links to those. So um, if you're interested, I can, I can share those. And I know those are um, really more probably statewide, um, you know, studies that have been done regionally. I'm thinking, you know, if we were going to do something, um, I was thinking more specific to, to Milton residents and the needs of the town. Um, I think there's also been a study um, that incorporates um, towns in our region. You know, I don't think we want to compare necessarily to Western Mass. I think these are different. But um, I think there was, uh, there were a couple of studies that were more, and I, MAPCs was definitely, because MAPCs geographic territory is Eastern. It, it doesn't cut, there's a different organization for Central and Western Mass for that. Um, and then the other thing is there were, I think, um, that maybe they have an update, but some towns did have zoning amendments in, in their um, warrants you know, last spring, and who knows, some may have them in their warrants this fall. And so, um, I so think- I'll, Yeah, I'll go over with Tim, but we might be able to put that on the agenda for the 22nd and add, you know, sort of our approach, you know, and how we would like to- So, if, just one more suggestion on that is, um, you know, Tim belongs to this um, planner's listserv, and sometimes what they do is they, they put out in, in that group email, has any, has any of you been working on XYZ? And they send back comments about what they've been doing. So he could send out what it has, your, what have you know, communities in uh, the Boston region, Eastern region been doing in eight years and he can get some information that way. That's great. Uh, that's definitely, I'll ask him about that. Okay, good. <clears throat> Um, so moving along, um, unfortunately, is Josh still here with us? Yes, he is. Um, I'm here. Uh, yeah. So we had, we had taken a vote on, um, the East Milton, the RFP for the East Milton overlay zoning, and we sort of left it. Um, and unfortunately in between, I think, uh, Tim getting sick and vacation and getting sick and, um, you know, you, I know we're away for a few days. Were you, you were gonna meet with Rich or Rich, I don't know if you've had a chance to talk to the staff about ironing out that first sentence? Yes, um, Rich can uh, speak more to it, but, but he and I uh, met earlier in the week and uh, just yesterday, Rich sent along final 
uh, language to that um, uh, first sentence. Um, so I can I can share my screen. Um, I was going to say if you could do that, that would be great. Just thanks for working on that, Rich. Um, yeah. So the the updated sentence, and Rich can expand on on perhaps like the the exact reasoning um, and and the the journey it took. But we we had a long conversation and. and this this first sentence is what um, felt most appropriate um, and respectful and um, reflective of the realities of East Milton Square. Um, it reads, East Milton Square is comprised of the largest commercial district in town, the focus of the zoning initiative, and historic residential areas. Um, all, all the other changes that we had discussed um, were, were accepted and, and, and are finalized. Um, yeah. But uh, Rich, if, if uh, you want to speak more to that sentence, please. Not much more to say. I think you did an eloquent job. Um, yeah, I think it, it, it at least meets my expectations um, based on what the comments that I made last time around. But yeah. Anyone else? It looks good to me. I, I think it's a, um, one of the things that I mentioned was making sure it was clear that the focus of the zoning was the business district and not the whole neighborhood. So I, I think it does do that. Exactly. I agree. And I think that was a concern of riches that it was. I, I'm also, I'm also good with it. You know, we asked Rich to take care of it. He's done that. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it. Hey, and we've already voted, so we just, I just thought it was good to, to see. So Josh, that's something that you can, um, you'll send out? Yes, uh, Tim and I um, have uh, got that final language. Um, we've prepared the sort of uh, package with the with the attachments um, that, that are discussed, um, and we'll be sending that out um, early next week. Terrific. Good. Anything else on that? Or that's we're good. Thank you, Josh. Appreciate that, and thank you, Rich. Um, also, um, so the last thing we really um, and I just want to thank everyone who's been looking at these 40B projects. Um, I think there were, um, you know, we we had Amor Road, Brush Hill Road, and uh, Randolph Avenue pretty much all coming in all at once. So it was sort of a um, you know, I think those timelines snuck up on us. And, you know, the one thing I would, would really want to make sure it's, it's very difficult when you're watching, um, the ZBA meetings to know how close they are to really being finalized because sometimes things seem very incomplete. Some of the plans, it seems like they need more work. Um, and then if you miss a meeting, you might not know, we, we might not know that the deadlines are coming up and Josh, I, you know, I just would, and will convey to Tim that as much time that we can get to be able to look at those in advance and get an idea of, are we looking at the final project or, you know, are things still changing um, before we make comments? We want to make sure we're commenting on the an actual project um, that we just have time that the planning board can get comments in. Um, I think it's really important, um, especially when they come in, you know, within three weeks of each other. That was, it was just a you know, I felt like it was a bit of a scramble and I'd like to be more, you know, we could 
be a little ahead of that, Josh, if that's, um, if we can discuss that with Tim. Uh, absolutely. Uh, as, as you know, you know, he's, he's out now. Yeah. At a 40B hearing. So, uh, we exactly. do that juggling. Um, but, uh, it's probably the cracks yeah. a little bit. I appreciate your understanding. So just on that timeline, what looks like it's going to be the next, um, what will be the, um, the next comment period that we're comments that we'll need to submit on which project? Do you know, Josh? And not to put you on the spot. Um, uh, I, I, that is being discussed at tonight's ZBA meeting. Um, so I, I can't speak with, with accuracy, but, um, okay, no, not a problem. I just didn't know if you had an indication. Um, Cheryl. Yes. I just, um, for people who may be watching and trying to understand a little bit of our role in the comment on the 40 B's is, um, we don't have an official role in the 40 B review process, but. Uh, we've the ZBA has welcomed our comments, and I have found that when when all of the 40 Bs that are except for the you know Randolph Ave, the first Randolph Ave that's like seven or eight years old, um, the, all of the other ones that came in relatively close to one another, uh, the planning board did write detailed letters um, that went to. Um, DHCD, I think is the agency, right? They, or was it um, Mass Housing? I'm forgetting which agency actually grants the letter, the certification letter. Um, and so um, what I what I found is that, um, you know, we can regurgitate our letters because the reality is the plans don't change much from what they originally submitted to what they get approved in the end. I think there's a resistance on the applicant to make many changes at all. Um, so, you know, we did have letters for all of these. I think we can look at those as a as a baseline. And I know for the large ones, East Milton Square, Kent Nav, and Blue Hill Lab, um, uh, you know, I drafted some of those original letters. Kathleen did a second letter. And we, we really just uh, worked off of the first one. So I, that might help, Meredith, you know, in, in terms of yeah. not, not reinventing the wheel because, you know, something so is very incremental yeah. minor changes. Right. And, no, uh, yeah. It's and for the public, I, I just want to express, you know, my frustration that um, in this whole 40B process that the design guidelines that DHCD has produced um, aren't enforced in any way at the state level. And so while we cite them and peer review architect cites them, um, there's really nothing that's compelling the applicant to have to change them or, or to follow them. And I would really um, love to see that change at the state level. If there's any way to provide feedback as a town to in, in in any way, I would love <laughs> to provide it because I I have really found it very disappointing this 40B process. I've invested a lot of my time in reviewing plans and writing letters and analyzing plans, and you know raising a lot of issues and and it just they just go uh, out the window. They just don't even get any consideration, and it's it's really a frustrating process. Sean, you had your hand up next. I just kind of this probably goes to Josh, and I know it's really, really difficult to manage 
the uh, applicant's design team, um, but it's it's you know our it, it would be really helpful if we could be steered towards the right documents to review. Though the files from the project seem to be a conglomeration of everything that they've submitted to the town, and um, you know. I don't think the applicants make it very easy for the town to, you know, to, to conduct a proper review. Um, but that's just a comment from me as a member to the but I I do not find it easy to find, uh, to, to find the right document, most current documents, the most current design to review. Rich? Yeah. Um, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, I just wanted to weigh in. I, to, to Cheryl's point earlier about um, the work that went in over the past to 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 send our thoughts from the boards. Um, and I said a little bit of this last time we talked about this. Um, I'll just say it a little differently. I mean, I haven't weighed in yet again because you know we we did send all of those. For all intents and purposes, I don't mean this nasty with the state, but they were, you know, they were put aside. They're, they're not looked at. I don't know if they're looked at or anything, but nothing is was was incorporated, obviously. Um, and so what I was asking in one of our last meetings was, you know, some of the things that we were talking about was very detailed that we were like if we were doing a site plan approval, we would talk be talking about this detail. Um, I'm not sure. We probably went into and Cheryl, I know you spent a ton of time putting detailed notes together on those. Maybe we went that far, but I'm sure that now that we can see the actual, you know, plans and everything has gone this far, I'm sure our notes or our comments could even be more detailed. My thing though is, are is the CBA going to read them? Are they interested? And what I was hoping, um, and I don't think I was very specific to say, hey. Tim, go ask. But what I was hoping to get after that meeting was, let's ask them. <laughs> like, why can't we ask the ZBA if they're interested in some of those finer points? Because that's where this board really shines, right? Is to be able to weigh in and say, you know, here are some of the things that you need to think about for safety and all these other things that are that are just going to be missed. Um, I know they don't need to, but the ZBA asks us for our opinions when at other times when they don't need to and so i'm not sure why we can't in this instance and then it's we're putting comments together that we know is going to be read i commend you folks who are wanting to redo redo comments i haven't given any more because nobody's saying that they're reading them so i don't know the point <laughs> i'm not trying to explain you i'm no. just saying like i don't know what i mean if they're going to read them i say we, we invest more time in them no, I believe the ZBA does read them. I think what they end up doing is a balancing of conditions of really what can, you know, what can stand up, you know. Yeah, but so you're right, but I would say last time around, and I don't want to speak for anybody else that was on the board, I feel like it was very much, we don't think you should do this project, and here are all the reasons. But now, correct me if I'm wrong, like Cheryl, you were noting some things that were very detailed in, you know, the use of different things. That's way different than what we said, I think, a little different than we said last time, that I think they should really want to ask, like, listen to us on. But I think it would take the planning director to ask them and say, okay, hey, yeah. yeah, we would like to weigh in on these things. 
you know, so that they can get incorporated. We're not trying to derail your project, but we think there's some things in here that you need to read. To make it better. Yeah. yeah. Maggie, yes? Yeah, so to that point, I, I did watch the last um, hearing on 16 Amor Road, and um, I know you mentioned that, you know, there was, Tim was out sick, and then Josh wasn't there, but I sort of felt like our board was a bit reprimanded by um, the ZBA um, chair at that meeting and Mr. Leonard specifically said to Tim, what does the planning board have to say? And then Tim mentioned a couple things that I had mentioned about tree size. And then Mr. Leonard said, well, how come they're weighing in so late? Where have they been? And like I watched it and I felt uncomfortable speaking up because um, I didn't really know, and I know I had asked this before, but I know the things that I had looked at, you know, trees are important to me. And, um, and I do feel like that particular board um, with one particular zoning board member, Mr. Conley, who I don't know, he picked up on quite a few things that was really quite interesting that I feel like no other zoning board um, person has picked up before. So to your point, maybe the, you, they're smaller and they can be a little bit more creative or look at the details. Um, so I, I kind of felt a little bit um, let down. Um, and, and I, you know, I'm sorry that Tim's not here, but I kind of felt a little bit let down that we did spend this time and our thoughts were not conveyed. Um, so I, to your point, I do think that there needs to be a process. I do think we need to know more. Um, and they closed that meeting. And I couldn't, to Sean's point, I couldn't find anything. I followed that project pretty closely. And it was really difficult to find. And they make small little notations on these big plans. But maybe they just need to like do a, a little narrative you know, just a little memo. So we're not going back through and, and finding out all these little changes of um, plans. And part of the problem was the applicant met with the neighbor and that's great and highly encouraged. But then that discussion wasn't presented on any paper or reflected on any memo. And then they closed the meeting without updating the um, any, any plan for us to then comment on. Um, so I do feel a little bit badly, um, and I hope the neighbors don't think that we let them down, um, cause I just wouldn't want people to think that we've talked about it. And, um, and, and I just, unfortunately think the ZBA didn't quite hear what, what our thoughts. And I did, I did speak with Tim on that and we did spend a lot of time discussing Amor Road and had some really good specific comments. And I've been assured by Tim that he was going to get those comments to the ZBA and make sure that they had everything that we had discussed. Um, and and so I'm I'm trusting that he's going to do that. So, um, Cheryl, you had uh, next. Yeah, one of um, the things I would say is that what I've noticed is that each of these hearings, 
it depends on the particular ZBA that is, has been seated for the hearing on how they run the hearing and they've been run totally different. And whether they actually seek out and plan out what their meetings were going to be. I found the Blue Hill Ave one to be really easy to follow, highly organized. I found the Canton Ave one not nearly so. And so knowing, you know, uh, when the town, like I think Tim or Judy Barrett was, they were the ones who were supposed to say, this is when certain town's input is going to be heard and let those bodies know, the fire chief, the DPW, the police department, what, who engineering department. And so, you know, these, it's hard for us to know what their schedules are and when they're going to be talking about things that were where our input is desired. So when they're going to have the architectural presentation and the architectural peer review, they should invite us to those meetings. That's the appropriate time for us to be there or the meeting following that where they're going to get comment on if they don't have time to hear our comments at that time. We can't just be expected to attend every meeting and be available to provide comments. There's no way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so that's why I said I've been frustrated by all this because I've been, you know, trying to do this for a few years and, you know, um, and it's, it has been frustrating, really. And we just want to do the best for yeah, the abutters and the neighbors. Um, Rich, yeah. your hand up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, uh, Maggie, I really appreciate you, you going to that and conveying that because it's something we we would not have heard. And you know, not to to repeat Cheryl, but you beat me to the punch, and I'm going to repeat a couple of things. Um, it's it's. I mean, I'll just. I hopefully somebody watches this. It's not our job to watch the hundreds of meetings for ten different forty Bs going on with the CBA, just like they don't watch all of our meetings. I mean, that can you imagine if we had to, like just listening to all of you trying to read through those documents, I don't even think it's hard. I mean, they need to, like Cheryl just said, at the appropriate time, they should be looking at the different boards and saying, um, hey, Tim, what, have your board weigh in here or this board weigh in here. We can't guess. I mean, we spent, there was a lot of people spent a lot of time putting together thoughts and considerations, we sent those straight to the state. And actually, I think collaborated with the, I mean, I know the select board was putting things together. We've all had opinions throughout this process, but what is there, nine or 10 of these things in front of us? And there's how many different DBA groups that are running these? I take, I, I, I take a lot of pause with the comment that was made there because it's, it's really not fair to the town nor our board. And so I'm really hoping that, you know, yeah, I'm really hoping that these folks like do the right thing and ask us appropriately to weigh in when it is. And we are pretty good about weighing in and weighing in timely when asked, I feel like. But, and I actually will say this, I feel bad for Tim because I have the same response you've had, Maggie. I think you're 100% right with the way you just pre presented that. And I, but I also think it's, you know, Tim's putting in a bad position with that board um, because of the way they, they said that, you know, anyway. Subsetting. Yeah, and I do feel like, you know, the Amor Road is closed, but the um, Brush Hill Road, I think, is the next one that's going to be closing. And I think that building in particular, you know, Brush Hill Road is just one of my, like, my favorite street in the whole town. And, and, um, and I feel like, to Cheryl's point, like, 
what they've proposed just does not fit in. And I'm not against like modern looking houses. I, you know, I, I like mid-century modern houses, but on Gresham Road in particular at that site, on either side, they are very, very pretty, pretty, pretty houses. And I feel like the applicant has done nothing to change the design. And I, why can't they just make it look like, you know, an old mansion, like the great estate, big house, and then you carve it up to, you know, um, on the inside, but you can't tell from the outside. And I don't know if they're listening to that or not. I haven't seen any change in um, the design, but I just feel like, not that we owe it to the neighbors, but we actually just owe it to the street and the, the history of the street, um, not to put what they're putting there. It's like really bad. Well, uh, Meredith, I just raised my hand, but I, I, this, I think every board in town is overwhelmed by what's happening. And the ZBAs are obviously been parceled into smaller groups to try to be able to manage this thing. So everybody's overwhelmed. Nobody's happy about it. The process is broken, in my opinion, because there's no accountability, as Cheryl said. Um, the developer is more or less getting a green light to do whatever they want. And um, good decision making in terms of design and architecture is sacrificed in the interest of the lowest possible cost project that the developer can build. So, you know, uh, until the state really uh, reconsiders and creates some guidelines for the developers, we're going to continue to be frustrated. We're going to continue to be overwhelmed. And so will the ZBA. Well, who can we call? Can we call someone in there and be like, wake up? Like, what are they thinking? Well, there's going to be a new governor, and there'll presumably be new um, department or, I don't know, not department, but secretaries, right? So there'll be a new DHCD. Uh, um, and, you know, the mandate that I was understood was that, um, you know, affordable housing is not being, multifamily housing is not being zoned for affordable housing and housing in general is a real challenge for the uh, economy of Massachusetts. And the governor, you know, it came down from the governor's office. Um, so it's a big, that's at the highest level of the state government. But on the local side, I think, you know, that's why I, and I know it's been a challenge to have people understand why this is tied together. But if we are in better control of our circumstances, if we can plan for our own affordable housing and so that we meet our 10% without 40B, and it's hard because we have to figure out where to do it, but at least we can get the thing, the kinds of projects that we have some say in and we can get the kinds of development and developers who are interested in what we have to say. Yeah, so how do we do that? So if, you know, I'm not in real estate, but I follow what's for sale in town. And there's a couple houses in town that are reasonably priced. Like, can't we buy them and then make them affordable, make them into affordable units? 
what's that? That's part of, I think, the Community Preservation Act. I think that's going to really help with funding some projects um, and, and getting allowing us to be more proactive than we have. So another thing, Maggie, is, is um, town-owned property and really having this select board um, take a look at, when, at whether any town-owned property could be used for affordable housing 100%. So they could issue an RFP to a nonprofit developer. And then instead of getting 20% of your units affordable, you're getting 100% of them affordable. Or, you know, like where Winter Valley, we rezone, you know, where we amended their zoning so they could add affordable units. Those are 100% affordable. So there it's a zoning initiative. And to build multifamily, we need, the zoning needs to be in place to do it too. So there is a zoning tie-in to doing it. It's hard to do individual, to, to meet the numbers we need, it's pretty hard to do it on a one-by-one -one single family. Um, you know, if if Milton had made different land choice decisions, I think years ago when there was larger tracts available, it might've been easier to do like starter homes, like single family homes, um, you know, on small lots, but we don't, there's not a lot of land left. Um, to try and get the kind of numbers we need to hit with that particular housing type. But I think it could be, I think it could be something where you're looking at a parcel that, as you said before, it can look like a large old estate, but meanwhile, it could have a number of affordable units in it. It might be 10 units, you know, it might be 12. And those scattered about would fit in just fine. That's multifamily. So, you know, multifamily doesn't necessarily mean you know, the things that we've seen proposed by these 40B developers for Canton Ave and Blue Hill Ave and East Mountain Square, because that's what people envision when they think multifamily. But multifamily, you know, can have all different scales. And I think that's the way it's going to have to be done, just because of the amount of land that's available. And Sean, you had your hand up. Oh, I, I apologize. I oh, that's right. Well, this was a good conversation. I'm sorry Tim's not here to be part of it, but hopefully he'll watch uh, later. Um, so is there anything else that anybody wanted to discuss? Um, because it's actually almost 830. So Sean, we're, we're doing well tonight. We're doing excellent. <laughs> yes. Anything else? Um, Josh, did you have anything else? that you wanted to add this evening? Um, I, I don't have much on my end, uh, just to say also um, the Affordable Housing Trust uh, to, to Maggie's uh, last point um, is, is also um, in, in the business of buying down units um, and, and making more affordable. We, they don't have funds to do anything on the scale of buying a single family house. Um, and even with CPC funding, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't be able to do that, but uh, they're trying their best and, and, and doing what they can with the money they have. Yeah, but one of these houses is like $499,000. Like, it's pretty reasonable. Like, so how quickly, if there are funding, how quick can the town turn around um, and purchase something? Um, you know, because you have to be pretty competitive um, to do that. And, you know, you know, Meredith, you know, houses, I mean, maybe in this market, it's a little bit different, but I feel like we have to put our staff, you know, in a position where they see something come up and they, 
can make the determination if it's worth it to invest. But Maggie, say, let's say it's if you're purchasing a single family for over 400,000. I think the purchase price for an 8% AMI affordable unit has got to be at $250,000 or thereabouts, maybe 275,000 now. And so that's the issue, the big delta between what the market is and what the affordable units can be is a, is a real big delta. One thing that some communities have also is, you know, community development corporation, basically a nonprofit that fundraises you know, to uh, mission driven, if you will. And, you know, uh, some, um, like I read there was an architect, I think it was in Newton who donated his house to one of those uh, rather than leaving it to his children because he felt as if he had provided well enough for his children and that he wanted to help solve the affordable housing problem in Newton, I think it was. Um, and so then that entity, that uh, nonprofit could, you know, either sell it and take those proceeds and do more with it, kind of leverage that asset, or they could, you know, do the units there. But, and I also saw recently that another um, community's housing authority was uh, just given a gift of over $350,000. And so, you know, is there philanthropy, you know, in Milton that could help? Um, does, does anyone have land? You know, I mean, these are all like, there's not going to be one big solution, at, at least in, in my view, I haven't looked at this for a bit. I think it's a multi-pronged solution, um, but it has to be something that people believe needs to be worked on. Really. So, yeah, so I do think like what causes, you know, angst, you know, what causes me angst as a resident of town, Challenge kind of what you said is oh let's look at town-owned property. So the town-owned property is all like open space, and so here we are in town trying to put together this climate action um, proposal. And he, then there's a proposal to oh let's take our green corners and our green spaces to then build higher density, and let's throw a few trees in there um, when we just sort of destroyed our little echoes, you know, system. But I do feel like there's more of an appetite from our residents. Like if there's an existing house there, and maybe it is just one level, it's a it's you know a ranch and it's just in a neighborhood, the town buys it, you know, and then they put in another apartment, making it a two-family, but they don't make it look like a two-family or it's a nice two-family. I feel like the residents of the town would be more accepting of these types of initiatives, you know, pockets here, there, and everywhere, and maybe every every precinct has to come up with a solution. You know, um, there are 10 precincts in town and we need to spread it throughout the town. And then it's up to each precinct to come up with like five units every year. Maggie, I think something, uh, this, this, this is a, you know, obviously there needs to be some, um, uh, I guess, um, creative solutions and, and this is this is within that category of creative solutions but I think the town would need a development partner and you know as you encounter a land parcel you know be in a position that if you were to buy it you have a development partner that would develop it and create because we're, we're not builders we're, we're not the town is not going to build 
um, you know, residential housing of any type. But if we're if we if we're a position with a development partner that would build it, um, you know, then we'd be in a better position to execute on it. I, I like I like the thoughts, Maggie. Just to jump in, sorry. I, I you know, there's been a lot of these thoughts over the years, and nothing seems to go. And what you just said, that's a good creative thought. Like people should should look into that. You know what I mean? Like it's it's very tough. Tough conversation. I think this is where you're going. It's a tough conversation when it's 100 units and nobody wants it in their backyard, or when it's 10 units and the Columbine nobody wants nobody wants it. But you know, if you start small, I think there's not one solution. It's many little solutions. Um, I think these are all great, and we got to keep talking about them. Thank you. What's that street address? Well, they're, they're, it's on Audubon Road, which I think already is in our has two families in the neighborhood. And then there's another one on Curtis Road, which is off of um, the parkway right at the end. And that has two families in it. So to Cheryl's point, you have to make sure, you know, the zoning will yeah. allow it. Right. Um, it could allow it. Uh, I, I'm happy to pass these thoughts along to the Affordable Thank Housing you. Trust at their meeting next Tuesday. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate the feedback. One thing I would caution on the, um, on the two families in the the zoning allows two families only when you have two families next to the parcel, and some some precincts have no two families in them. So if our interest is in spreading units out, I think we have to be careful not. The two families are, are I already looked at this, they've already had some mapping done. I'd be happy to send you the, the maps that GIS did for me when I was looking at this. But the um, a lot of the two families are in our densest neighborhoods already. You know, so we want to make sure that all precincts are taking some so that it's not concentrated in those same precincts. You know, that that's yeah. an equitable kind of solution. Yeah. No, I I was just thinking from a cost perspective. Yeah, understood. Yeah, so this, is where, yeah, this is where, you know, one of those things where when we were, this, the planning board was looking at kind of conversion and whether there would be some places where large, like let's just say the booth allowed 40B, that's 11,000 square foot house. You know, would it have been possible instead of a 40B to have that be multifamily, right? Because it's a big house, it's a big parcel. But the other thing was you could add units to that parcel in a better way than they did. It's just, it wouldn't be nearly as many as units. And so that was the idea behind condo conversion, but it, it got sort of lost in the panic or you know concerns that people had about what it would destroy places. But the idea is it's a better way to get you know, units um, rather than 40B. And okay. so I, I think these conversations are still worth having in a in a reasoned way, not a panic way, not a scare tactic way, but really sort of an understanding way of how these tools might work. So it might be one thing in a dense district that already has two families and something else in a precinct or a district that has larger lots, right? So like, you know, uh, because it, it wouldn't make the same, it wouldn't make the same sense. Some of those are pretty high density districts if you look at a per acre basis, you know, compared to some other parts of town. So, um, 
And there are some community, other communities, I think it's worth seeing what they've done with, um, with condo conversions. Um, the other problem with affordability is you need a sort of magnitude of scale in order, if it's not subsidized by community preservation committee or nonprofit or town funds or state funds is what's making up for the cost differential. And usually it's the number of market rate units, right? So the more market rate units get to subsidize the, the affordable units, then that's just these 40 Bs. It's, that's the recipe for high density which I don't think anybody likes. I don't know. Cheryl, quick question for you, Cheryl. And I wonder, I think we've done this before, has talked about like the economics, like back of the envelope type economics in, in, in past meetings, because the problem I think is, because I like the idea, like let's buy this house, let's turn it into it. But the problem is if you pay $400,000 for a house and you charge rent of $1,000, it's gonna take you like hundreds of years to, to make your money back. And so the reality is there's, Unfortunately, like there's there's the economic, like how many units does it need to be and what's the cost need to be so we can do one of these things? Does it two units in that $400,000? Is it three units? Like, what is it and how do you do it? Because I do agree, like we don't pull the trigger fast enough in this county. There could be, I think there's been other properties that went really cheap and we probably could have grabbed. I think some of those are now 40 Bs. Um, so in hindsight, it would have been nice. Um, uh, yeah, and then we get 100%. So. So yeah. like Sean's idea is that you team up with a development partner, um, you know, the, especially the other question was, sorry, I lost my train of thought, is if a house becomes or goes on the foreclosure list, does the town get notified first? Like, does it go to bank like foreclosure or tax foreclosure? A bank, a bank foreclosure. Because I know it's listed in the back of the paper, the newspaper because it shows um so i feel like we just need to the town needs to be in a position to sort of you know unfortunately take advantage of an unfortunate situation and then um and then if we buy it and we rent it out then both one unit or two units is forever on our housing list right if it's a rental unit if i understand it correctly and, and, and if we keep it, I know it could be a loss for the town, but actually putting in this big 40B with a hundred units and only getting 10, that's a loss for the town, a greater loss for the town because we have now all these new kids coming to the school and all those other units. So yes, maybe one individual house here, there, and there might be a loss, but it's actually less of a loss than doing a bigger development, if that makes sense. These are all challenges. It is, you know, I, I think, but I think these conversations are important and the dialogue, you know, between the Affordable Housing Trust, between, you know, when we do have CPC funds coming and, you know, just, um, just being in a position where we can be proactive. So that's great. And that was one of the things that I did discuss with Arthur when we met. How do we how do we work with our accountant, our you know town administrator, to to try to figure out a way to do this? So, I wonder if there's a zoning mechanism that can be floating, so it's an overlay that floats, um, that is tied to affordability, so that 
you don't have to go about rezoning necessarily. Because even what you're suggesting, Maggie, if there's not a two-family there, there's no legal mechanism to make it a two-family. You know, just because the town owns it, um, I don't know that that means that they're exempt from the zoning that says it's a single-family district. It would be a good question, Josh, for you to uh, if you could look into that. Because, and then if you could also look into whether there's any kind of a floating um, zoning such that you know, a, a single family could be converted to a two family if there's some affordability component, which would have to be defined. But I mean, just as a concept, is that something that's doable? I don't really know. But again, yeah. And again, I'm not proposing that everybody in town do this, um, you know, but I feel like from a town's perspective, we need to start solving our problems ourselves and not relying on the developers to throw us a few units here and there. You know, we need to solve it. Yeah, the one thing I would say, Maggie, not doing it all over town is, you know, like the 40B neighbor, the neighbors to 40Bs would rather see those units spread out over larger chunks of the town than right next door to them. And it's just a, happens to be um, a fate that they get that developer next to them because the town hasn't taken the right actions. And it's not fair to those neighbors. And so everybody in every part of town should have to have some for it to be equitable. This is something I've been saying for several years since these 40 Bs have been coming in and trying to find some zoning and planning issues to help do it. Um, and people are resistant to it, but you, you have to have these difficult conversations unless you just don't care that your neighbors are getting the 40 Bs. You know, it, that's the reality. And Rich? Yeah, I just wanted to throw in, I don't wanna, I won't. Wrap it up, yeah. I, I'm sure I can keep tacking on. I love, I love the comments. Um, I just wanted to mention because I heard, I think I heard CPA funding a few times in that whole conversation. And for what it's worth, yeah. for the first round of funding, um, the applications, at least the project eligibility applications, are due this October 1st. So for folks that are watching or people on the board, if you have ideas, the applications are online on the CPC, CPC um, website. For those project eligibility forms, they're like one page and they're super easy to fill out. You fill it out, it's due October 1st. There's a lot of money sitting there. Great, Rich. Do we have an update on sort of what, where we are roughly on numbers, on what expectation on? I thought it was a little over one, 1.1 million or somewhere around there. Um, if Maybe you could buy that house. There you go. But um, so yesterday, last night, Rob did, did a really good job presenting kind of like where we're at and kind of walk through all the, this is how, um, like what qualifies. I'm gonna forward you, I'll forward Tim, if people don't see great. that, I'll, yeah, I'll forward that great. presentation. Um, but everything's online except for the presentation, but I'll send it to you guys. It's just a, it's just pulling things together in one spot, but it's a pretty good read. Um, I mean, I'll be honest, I, I went home from that, you know, with a renewed, calling neighbors going, hey, you guys need to fill out this, like fill things out, send them in. And my understanding is Rob said, we've only got two applications so far. And so people need to fill them out. Perfect. Okay. Is there- I didn't mean that. That's all right. Okay, I didn't know if you were putting your hand up again. 
Okay, if there is nothing else, um, I would entertain a motion to adjourn. I'll make the motion. A second? Second. Okay, roll call. Um, Sean? Yes. Cheryl? Yes. Rich? Yes. Maggie? Yeah, I think this was a very good discussion tonight. So thank you all. Agreed. Yeah. Nice meeting everybody. Thanks very much. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay.